Well, good morning. We are grateful for your presence. It is a great day, as always, to be together, especially on the first day of the week and especially on the first day of the year. We're grateful that you've chosen to be here with us this morning. Uh, as always, we'd like to invite you to be a part of our entire day. If you would, come and be with us for lunch as well here in just a few moments as we finish up our services and then our afternoon service as well. Uh, just a reminder, if you have a bulletin in front of you, you may already have seen the title, but a reminder that this afternoon we'll be looking at the last year and then pressing on towards the new year. We usually include a lot of things in that lesson, a lot of pictures, kind of rem remember the things that we've done, uh, enjoy a few laughs together and think about some of the fun times that have been had. Uh, also, uh, all those who have joined, whether it be placing membership or the births that we've had and unfortunately the deaths that we've had, we mentioned all those and kind of reviewing the year and it's usually uh, an opportunity just to reflect and we hope that you can either stay or come back and be a part uh, of our afternoon services. I do want to echo what Brian said. We do appreciate uh, Travis uh, for redecorating the lobby uh, for us. And contrary to what most of you have asked, the purpose of that was not so that I could be lifted up while I was preaching above everybody. So uh, they, they wanted to try it yesterday when they were working on it. I said, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, also, just a reminder, though, Travis has had his hands full, as a lot of our deacons do and our men, but a reminder that, you know, we are still dealing with some of the water issues. Um, anytime you come by, probably right now in between service times, there's not going to be water cut on until we can get everything working again. I know there have been some issues in the ladies' restroom, but if you'll bear with us, uh, it's that time where a lot of things seem to stop working all at the same time, the way it is at our houses usually. So, but if you'll bear with us, and if you have any questions, you can see uh, one of the deacons, uh, Ricky or Gary's gone now, but Ricky or Travis or someone that works with those things, Tom, we appreciate all their work and helping us get through some of these different things that we've been dealing with. We're going to try to use the PowerPoint again this year and begin today, uh, see how it fits and works as we did on Wednesday night. If you were here in our Bible class, I tried it. We had a few uh, just minor blips where things maybe didn't fit exactly, words crossed over. So we're going to try again here. But uh, if you have an outline in front of you, we're going to uh, try to have that at your disposal then each lesson if you'd like to use that to kind of keep up with where we're going. This morning we're going to talk about a Christian mindset. Obviously, we're at that point where people are talking about things like resolutions, they're talking about things like goals, we're talking about things like what's our mission, or what is a mission, my mission in life, or my mission for the year. Maybe some of you have been a part of a company that's really focused or emphasized on a mission statement. A mission statement, of course, is just a usually a short, formal, written statement of purpose. That's what we're talking about when we think about a Christian mission statement. What is our purpose? If we were to kind of break it down practically, practically speaking, a mission statement says what you are all about. It's kind of become something that's not wrong in any way, but, but something where a lot of congregations will come up with a theme or a, a mission statement. And it just helps the congregation try to be united to understand what our purpose is. And so this morning we're going to consider a mission statement from God's Word. And if you have your Bible, you'll notice, and if you have an outline, that it is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. I'll admit, I'll confess, I had a panic moment this morning driving over the mountain that I had probably typed Philippians 4.13, right? Because that's what everybody knows when you think of Philippians. You think of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great statement, and that's perfectly fine. But because of the way we usually quote that, I thought, I hope I didn't type that backwards. Uh, but Philippians 3.14 is where we're going to spend our time today. There is a mission statement that's found here, and of course it belongs to Paul. But as we usually do, can I suggest that what Paul is saying is for our benefit, and we can usually agree. If you turn there, let's grab a little bit of the larger context, beginning in verse 13. 
Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But notice verse 15, if you've been with us on Wednesday night, Therefore, let us, as many as are, some of you can fill in the blank, teleos, mature or perfect, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. If, you'll know, if you have a bulletin, you'll notice the title for the afternoon lesson. It's the one I've done every year since I've been here, and it comes from this particular section of Scripture. It's a New Year's kind of idea that we're forgetting what's behind, and in our, our case this afternoon, we are going to glance back at the good things that we've done and enjoyed the times we've enjoyed together, but we're going to continue to press forward or press on. Paul makes it clear here, first of all this morning, that he had a life mission. Paul had a life mission. Can I say it to you this way? I don't think Paul went to bed at night wondering what the next day would be about. I just don't. I know I can't speak to him and I don't know him, but we do have his writings. And it seems like he didn't pillow his head every night and say, well, I wonder what I'll be doing tomorrow. Or I wonder exactly what my focus will be. He didn't know if he was going to be put in prison. He didn't know if he was going to be beaten. He didn't know where he might end up by the end of the day if he has to flee for some reason. But he did not go to bed wondering what the focus would be the next day. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27, he says as much. He says, therefore, I run thus, or just like this, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, like this, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He says, I'm not just doing things on a whim, not just for the fun of it. I know where I'm going. I know what I am doing. He also makes it clear that all Christians should have this mission statement. And the mission statement is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. But we are going to break it down this morning into three key components of the faithful Christian's mission statement. Number one, it's a spiritual mission. The spiritual part of the mission, or it is a spiritual mission, I guess is the better way to say it. If we were to ask Paul, hey Paul, what is the prize? What is it that you're after? He says it's not about money, it's not about fame, it's about the high calling of God. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. I press toward the prize of the high calling of God or the upward call of God. You know, many people are goal-oriented and driven to find success in this world. Again, it doesn't take much, a simple Google search or, or browse around YouTube. And again, it's that time of year where folks are, are making their own videos about how many goals they're setting and what they did last year and how they're driven to be bigger and better in what they're doing. And that's fine. Many people are driven to success. But Paul stands out because his mission, his pursuit was spiritual success. In fact, that same passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25, he recognizes and tells us, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. We're going after something that's much better. It's not just about a little gold trophy on your 
wall or on your shelf in your bedroom. It's about the high calling of God. And by the way, can, can we suggest that it's not just because this was the only place that Paul could find success, right? That's not just because he says, well, you know, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. I guess I'll just have to go after serving God because that's the only thing that I can do. In fact, we notice that Paul is quite advanced in the Jewish faith. If you're still there in Philippians chapter 3, it's in this same section going back up into verse 4, verses 4 through 8, verses 4 through 9, that he lists the things that he could do, that he did do. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning zeal, he was persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he is blameless. He says, I've got it all. He was advanced in the Jewish way. This was not just some, well, I think I'll try this because I can't do anything else. In fact, if you're there towards the back end of the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, do you remember what it says about Moses? Hebrews chapter 11 verses 24 through 26, that Moses had it all. He was in the greatest country in the world at that time. But instead, he chose to rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Paul is like Moses in the sense that this is not just a secondary thing. No, he's advanced in other ways. This is not the only place that he could find success, but he is after this spiritual mission. It's a spiritual mission. His goal is not lowering his handicap or it's not improving in his use of languages or making more money. All those things may be perfectly fine in some ways, but his mission was spiritual. If you have your Bibles, look in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Notice the contrast in Romans 8, 5 and 6 about the carnal versus the spiritual. Paul says, for those who live according to the carnal or the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We might say it this way, in fact, worldly success is temporary. Worldly success is temporary, and in fact, it ends in death. We know that the Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it's appointed for men once to die. The world's idea of success is temporary. It ends in death. It also ends in destruction. Paul writes about that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. This idea of the earthly, worldly, carnal things is temporary. But in contrast, as Paul says here, spiritual success ends in peace. And I do think I made a typo there in the bulletin. If you're looking at the filling in the blanks there, spiritual success ends in peace. It ends in peace and it ends in eternal life. John would write in 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. 1 John 5, 3 through 4. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's not too much for us. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Worldly success is temporary. Spiritual success ends in peace and eternal life. Paul says here, I have a mission statement, but you need to know up front, it is a spiritual one. 
It is about the high calling of God. We get caught up in a lot of other things in this life. Some of those things, again, are fine and well, having a job, making money for our family, things that have to do with sports or sports accomplishments or whatever it might be. Those things are fine. But Paul says, my mission, my focus is spiritual. It's above the worldly things and it's on spiritual success. Let's notice secondly from this statement that his mission is singular. It's not only spiritual, but it is singular. He says three times here, three times, the. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. It is singular. Again, Paul has a target and note that it is only one thing. I know many of us lament quite often how busy we seem, how, how busy life can get and most of those things, as we've already said, are, are not necessarily bad. We're, we're helping our kids learn about life, whether it be through sports or school activities or, or whatever it might be. We're just busy. And I'm not suggesting that you should give up everything. I am maybe suggesting that sometimes we get so caught up in all of those things that we forget that we should have a singular mission. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew's account of the gospel. First of all, Matthew chapter 6. You see, we might note that Paul understood Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. He might not have been there on that occasion listening to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, but he understood Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Excuse me, Jesus, can you make it a little clearer? You cannot, it's not possible to serve God and mammon. It's not possible to straddle the fence. You can think you're doing it. And as many of you know, when you sometimes try to do that in life, whether it be caring for your parents or your children or your job and your family or whatever, you can do it for a while, it feels like, but usually you end up dropping something because you cannot be split that many different ways. It helps to rem remember that we are to have a singular Mission. Also from Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. Paul also understood Jesus' statement, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's what we're doing. We're trying to hold on to those things. We're trying to hold on to the whole world and our soul. Paul understood it's not possible. We will never be fully content and blessed in our Christian lives, unless we learn this mission, this lesson, and unless we live this lesson, that it's got to be singular. You see, many Christians know what is right, and I, I would suggest that they want to feel secure. But what they do instead of really trying to obtain those feelings, that comfort, instead, many Christians marginally practice Christianity. They want to feel secure, they want to feel peace, and they know what is right, but they marginally practice Christianity. One foot in the church and one foot in the world. They don't want to give up the world completely. If you have your Bibles, turn to James this time. James chapter 1, first of all, in verse number 8. Our college and, and young adult class has been trying to, to work through the book of James. In James chapter 1 and verse 8, he makes that great statement that a man who 
it's possible that a man be double-minded, unstable in his, all his ways, that a man who is trying to hold on to these two things is like a wave of the sea, driven. They're wanting to ask in faith, but they're doubting. They're doubting God. Many people don't want to give up on the world completely. And the problem is it doesn't work that way. While we're in James, notice James chapter 3, verses 19 through 12, excuse me, verse 9 through 12. James 3, 9 through 12. It's talking about the tongue here, right? James is talking about our tongues, but he reminds us that once again, it can't be both ways. Our tongue should not be a, a, a place in which there is both fresh water and bitter water. Or a fig tree, bear olives, or a grapevine, bear figs. These things ought not to be so. The problem is it doesn't work the way that we want it to when we want to straddle the fence, when we want to have it both ways, to be in the church but to not give up on the world or to give up the world completely. God doesn't want us to be tossed to and fro. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, and this is another passage that we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, but when we talk about the completed word of God coming into our lives, one of the blessings of that is that we don't have to be tossed to and fro. And so the Holy Spirit, by inspiration, tells us that God's will for our lives is that we not be tossed to and fro. He wants us to be grounded and settled, as Paul would write about in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, <clears throat> grounded and steadfast. That's God's will for our lives. That we have this singular mission and we be rooted and grounded in that. And when we try to have it both ways, we are driven like the waves of the sea. We are tossed to and fro. If you have your outline, you'll notice a passage there. Turn to Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 37. Because this is not Paul's statement, as we've said, but I think it goes along with Paul's mission statement. Paul would have us have a focus like Matthew 22 in verse number 37 where Jesus said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. When we have a Matthew 22 in verse 37 focus we will surely stay on track. It's highly possible that some of you like many of us and others from time to time We'll put little post-it notes or things up on your wall or in your bathroom or in your car or in your office, somewhere where you can see them. Things that help you stay on track. Whether it's a Bible verse, whether it's a saying that's just encouraging, whatever it might be, things that are in our, the view of our, our eyes every day so that we can remember what our focus should be and the track that we are supposed to stay on. When we have a Matthew 22 in verse 37 track, Loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we will surely stay the course. We will surely keep going the right direction. We will surely keep our mission singular, in focus. So Paul's mission was spiritual, it was singular, but let's notice thirdly, it was a steadfast mission. The spiritual mission was, he says, it's the high calling of God. That's what he's after. The high calling of God. It's singular because it is the mark. He is striving for the mark. But it is steadfast because what does he say? He says, I press. 
I press. Have you ever pressed on anything, right? Ever tried to hold something down or, or hold something, you know, against something you press? It takes some effort. It takes some energy. It takes some focus. It takes being steadfast. We were trying to hang something up at the house the other day. We were using some of those strips, you know, that they have now that you can put on the back of a frame or something. But you've got to press it against the wall in order for it to stay. You've got to be steadfast. If you just sort of try to put it up there and then let go, it's going to fall. We press. We are steadfast in our mission. We might say that to press is to chase something with intensity. To chase something with intensity. Is that the way we treat our mission The mission of Paul, the mission of what every Christian should have? Is it something that we chase with intensity? Or is it something that we have to reconsider every week? Something that we have to decide whether or not we're going to go to services or whether or not we're going to attend another event that the church may have going on or whether or not we're going to be faithful this week? Or is it something that we chase with intensity? This is how Paul lived his life. He pressed on. There's a statement from the psalm, Psalm 63 in verse number 8. The psalmist says, my soul follows hard after thee. We say that sometimes, whether it's an athlete, maybe in a game or something, they say they, we say they went really hard after that, right? Or they were, they were working really hard in that. Psalmist says, my soul follows hard after thee. Is that what we can say about our mission Are we steadfast? The psalmist says it again in Psalm 42 in verse number 1. We say it because we sing it. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Is that the way that we live? Those are not the words of Paul in the Psalms, but it is the way his mission worked. He was steadfast. He was chasing with intensity God, serving God, trying to be Christ-like. In Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24, Paul makes another statement. This time in Acts chapter 20, it's more to do with his life. This is not one of his epistles necessarily, but it's about his life. And what he says, excuse me, is that none of these things move me. We preach context, 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 context. What's he talking about? Go back up into the verses before that, and Paul gives a list of reasons. And may I suggest to you, it might be a list of reasons of why he could quit. Why he could quit. Any number of those things that he reads, that that we read about there, from Acts chapter 20, verse 17, down through verse 24, we might say any number of those things would have gotten our way and we would have stopped. Somebody chasing us, somebody leaving us, chains, tribulations. Paul says, none of these things move me. He is steadfast in his mission. It reminds us of other people from the Bible. You remember Ruth in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 18? A little bit of a different context, of course, but Ruth and Naomi, it says that she was determined, determined, steadfast in what she was doing. Or what about Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8? That Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the things of the king and the king's palace. That's determination. That's purpose. That is steadfastness. Is that the way that we are living? 
And then again from the example of Jesus in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 51. Luke 9 and verse 51. Jesus says here, Luke 9, 51, or excuse me, Luke records for us about Jesus, that it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Do you think that when the Savior was determined and steadfast in something that it happened? Absolutely. Most of us, maybe even in a small way, at the beginning of a year, we, we try to find something, right? Maybe you're not the kind that makes a big long list of resolutions or goals, but, but most of us, even if it's just in our mind, we try to find something that we can be better about, more determined, more purposeful in. When Jesus was steadfast, I believe it happened. It can happen for us as well with this Christian mission statement. If it took that for Jesus, for him to be steadfast, how much more for us do we need to be determined to complete this mission? See, Paul had a mission in life. And we do not need to forget that he fulfilled that mission. Do you remember his words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8? 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, Paul says, I fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, and there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You see, not only can we look at what we've noticed and say that Paul had a mission in life, that he had a mission statement, but we see from the scriptures that he fulfilled that mission. We're thankful this morning that we do still have time. That maybe our time is not up because some of us are not not accomplishing that mission as we should. Or maybe we're accomplishing something, but it's not of the spiritual nature as it should be. Or maybe we're cut too many different directions. It's not singular. Or maybe we are struggling to remain steadfast. But can I suggest to you again this morning as we conclude, if my sight is set on heaven, I will get there. But if my sight is not set on heaven, there's a good chance that I won't get there. We talk about being focused. We talk about keeping our eyes on the prize. And we know how it is. If someone is running and they get distracted, how it can slow them down, if not totally derail what they are doing. A person who is even simply walking, right? We'll all be here in just a moment walking amongst the pews and the aisles. A person who's walking and not looking where they're going will run into something or someone. Even something as slow and as simple as that. How much more so with our Christian mission statement. Is my mission spiritual? Is it singular? Is it steadfast? And if not, why not change today? You see, as we have said for a long time, and it will be said for all of time here on this earth because it's true, God has given us a simple plan of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never been obedient to that gospel plan of salvation, as Charles says each time, usually we extend heaven's invitation. It's not about joining the church here or being voted on or anything that we do, but it's about you being obedient to God. It's about you participating with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. We usually flash this up on the screen, and it kind of goes by pretty quick. We always try to say, if you have any questions about anything regarding the plan of salvation or becoming a Christian, we'd study with you outside of this type of setting as soon as possible, as much as possible, because it is that important. Maybe you're here and you've done that in times past, but you have wandered away. You've struggled to remain faithful. Like someone whose eyes or who my, whose mind wanders, you've lost focus, focus on the mission statement. 
that's okay because we will extend heaven's invitation here and we will give you the opportunity to come forward. One of our elders will be waiting to assist you, to pray with you and for you, to help you get back on track. Maybe if it's of a public nature, you'd like to come forward publicly. If it's of a private nature, you can take care of it between you and God. But take care of it today, even now as we stand together and as we sing.